When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week I'm sharing with you a conversation I got to have with Julie Morgenstern. She's an expert when it comes to organization and time management. She's had five best-selling books, has appeared on Oprah and The Today Show, and has made a real impact in this productivity space. She has a brand new book and a podcast to go along with it called Time to Parent, Organizing Your Life to Bring Out the Best in Your Child and You. And in this conversation, we talk about strategies where you can be present with your kids and focused and playing with them and not have your mind on other things. How it doesn't take a lot of time to make sure that that happens and that you're connecting with your kids and that it's okay that you can give yourself permission to take personal time and renew and recharge yourself so that you are then there for yourself as well as your relationships in your world. If any of that resonates with you or you know someone who that resonates with, share this conversation with them and then enjoy this conversation with Julie Morgenstern. This week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Julie Morgenstern. Julie, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me, Eric. So you are an expert on organization and time management. You've sold, not sold, but you've written, well, I mean, you've sold those books too, but you've written and sold those books all about organization and time management. And they've touched on the idea of parenting. It's, It's definitely part of it, but this next venture that you've done with a new book and a new podcast, which I always love talking to podcasters, is specifically about being a parent and being organized and having time management in that area. And so I'm curious, you know, why are you shifting to focus specifically on that now? Yeah, it's a great question. In a way, I'm expanding to this for, look, I've been a time management organizing expert for almost 30 years. And my client base is not exclusively parents, but it really has, and I've never marketed to parents, but probably 80% of my clients are parents, men and women with young kids, with school age kids, with college kids and high school kids. And the reason why is because the parenting years are truly, inarguably, the most time-stretched years of a human's life. Parents all have come to me around the world asking for organizing and time management advice with very similar goal, which is they just want to tame the chaos in their lives at home and at work and their schedules in their spaces so that they can really be there for their kids and for themselves and for their spouses and for their jobs. It's really about being there and uh, organizing as an infrastructure to those goals. So I decided, why don't I just take this on? Because there's never really been 
a manual, a time management manual for the parenting years ever. And I, I, I always craved it. Clients always craved it. I thought I will do it. I will write that book. And it, it comes along at a great time because this is one of those things that is on the forefront of a lot of people in the business world and the productivity world, even especially again in the family world. There's this phrase, this, well, a couple phrases actually. Work life balance is one that's been thrown around yeah. for, you know, a decade now. Self care is the new version of that, basically. Yes. And you add, you know, self care with child is almost a way to, to see it these days. There's wellness. Yes. And, and in companies, they are, catching on that caring about their employees' overall wellness really benefits the bottom line of the company because they attract and retain higher talent. That retention is critical, right? Where like when you have high turnover because you have some kind of a culture that does not acknowledge people's family lives or whole lives even, you don't keep your talent very long. People burn out and they're not performing as well. And it's so expensive for a company. Every time there's turnover, you lose institutional knowledge. You use time to onboard the next person. And, you know, people are the most valuable resource in the knowledge economy. And as a result, companies are starting to care about the wellness. And it's, it's what I would call work-life continuum, mm. right? It's a continuum. How we spend our work days has a direct impact on the quality of our time off. And how we spend our time off has a direct impact on the quality of our work product. Are we refreshed? Are we recharged? Do we get some perspective? How do we feel? So I think their companies are getting it. And yes, it's a really good time. Yeah, it's almost like you shift from doing one role at your day job, whatever that may be, whatever form that takes. And then if you have kids, or even if you just have a spouse, but especially again, in this conversation, if you have kids, you're shifting into this other role. And so it's not like there's a lot of downtime. Parents know exactly what I'm saying with that. Oh, yeah. No, no, there is. That is right. Not only no downtime, and we can get into some of the detail, but there's also that transition time. And I think the balance, we talk about that being stretched. It is such a mindset shift for a parent to shift gears from their workday brain mindset, right? Work, to-do lists, getting things done, you know, the the sort of never-ending demands and problems, and then cross the threshold and, like, show up and be present for their families and for themselves. And one of the things that the book does, and my work as a time management coach I focused on for years, is teaching parents how to make mindful transitions between their various components of their life. So before you walk through that door at the end of your workday, pause, take five minutes before you cross that threshold and set your intention for your evening with your family, right? So that you're not just mindlessly carrying over all your unfinished business from your workday through the threshold and like dumping that all over the house and your family. You make that mindful transition. And the same is true in reverse in the morning, right? When you go in after whatever, you leave your kids and or you drop them off at school or you leave for work before you, you're going to have your mind full of family issues, concerns, uh, uh, you know, unfinished to-dos also from your family life. 
five minutes before you walk through that door to your company, to your office, to your job, set your intention of what you want to achieve on the other side of that door with your colleagues, with your employees, with your boss, with your work, with your clients. And just taking literally five minutes to make a mindful transition before you cross the threshold into the next department has a remarkably uh, clean and clear impact on being present and and actually being able to put up edges, right? Because yeah. that's kind of what we need. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you've got the people who, like me, are working in their home. And yeah. so their commute, that, that five minute mark needs to almost be something where they maybe even step outside and take a walk around the block or, and then walk in the front door as if they've been gone all day or something like that. Right. You bet. That is a phenomenal technique to use, right? When you work from home, it's, you know, it's the world's shortest commute, right? That's the big benefit. But it, you do have to be able to put up edges. When you work from home, just because you're home, you should not like run over and do the dishes in the middle of your day and do the laundry. Like I really, I worked from home for many, many, many years. I think you want to get dressed for work every day. You want to make sure you work in a particular spot and not everywhere in your home. So you associate that corner, that area with work and the rest of your home with relaxation right? Just because we can work everywhere because of technology doesn't mean we should. And yeah, make that transition. Go walk around the block, shed your workday, come in, honeys, I'm home. <laughs> and there you go. Great yeah. idea. Yeah. So in this, this family life, work life, or let's put it this way, like you said, work life continuum, yeah. So being a being a a day job person and then also moving into that transition and being home and again if you're working from home and maybe some of those people are home while you're home there's all these yeah. different versions all these different dynamics I know many different of those are are listeners of this show but ultimately what we want, what we want to get down to is something that I've heard you say which is that this is about raising humans and being human and I'd love yeah. to get you to expand on that a little bit. Sure. So when I decided I was going to write this book and I thought I need to write this job description, the instruction manual for time uh, during these years, one thing that occurred to me that actually didn't even hit me until I had an empty nest, right? I was a single parent from the time my daughter was three and I was in it every day, right? And I was an entrepreneur and I worked from home and served clients. And But as I was writing the book and trying to come up with the how do you describe the, what we need to divide our time between while we're raising our kids? One thing that it hit me that I never really realized and no one talks about is that the child rearing years happen to be the prime of our own adult development years. Mm. Think about that, right? It's the, it's your establishing and building a career while you're raising your kids, right? That's what you're doing. It's kind of the peak of your earning capacity years. If you are married, you are building a relationship with a significant other or a circle of friends or a group of like an adult community. And you're also discovering who you are as a human while you're raising your kids, because Lord knows you have no idea when you are 17, exactly who you are. <laughs> yes. Right. So when I, when that hit me, I was like, so it's, we feel the pulls, but 
intuitively and we're always feel like pulled in two directions. But like when you acknowledge that, oh, okay. So how do you describe the, the time balance? First, you have to break the job into two parts, raising a human and being a human, right? In order, and then each of those have four components, four core things you have to divide your time between. On the raising a human, there's four activities, four core responsibilities. And if you divide your time among those, you're going to raise a happy, healthy, self-confident child. And on the being a human, there's actually four different things you have to juggle your time between and tend to, to make sure that you are nurturing and fueling yourself as a happy, healthy, confident adult, which makes you better at raising that kid or those kids, right? So we can talk about them, but the big principle here is we all have to remember when we're raising our kids, there's some belief, societal, you know, in our veins for centuries, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself for your kids. It's true. You certainly, you know, sacrifice yourself for your kids in many, many ways. But if you let your self-care, your own well-being get neglected and go to seed, that is going to steal and your life collapses, your marriage collapses, your health collapses, your sense of fun and happiness and connection collapses. You are in no position to nurture and bring out the best in your children. Your time, your brain, your energy are like sapped dry if your own well-being is collapsing. So you need to learn how to balance them both. And there are techniques to do it because it's a big job. You got to do it really efficiently. But the first thing is to recognize it is in service of your child as well as just nature Mm -hmm. to be cultivating yourself while you are nurturing your kids. And everybody wins. I've, I've heard it referred to almost as the... Uh, the metaphor of, you know, what they tell you when you're first getting on a plane and they're giving you all the, you know, setup and takeoff type stuff. And they say, you know, in the event of an emergency, yeah. fasten your oxygen mask before going to someone else and doing theirs. And and that's right. kind of what being a parent is, is like, look, you, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. Yes. Then then you can take care of the kids. And it goes against our nature. You're like, right. oh, my God, are you kidding me? What if my kid dies while I'm putting on my mask? That's the fear, right? It's really primitive. But the truth is you start putting it on your kid and your oxygen is going low and then you're not thinking clearly. And what if something happens to you? You need to really fuel yourself. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a great metaphor. Really agree. You got to be efficient with your self mask. (laughs) That's the key, right? Like once you understand it, then you got to get good at it and masterful and learn how to do it efficiently, effectively, regularly, so that you're always fueled up and you don't wait to go on complete empty. And then it's like, I need to run away to Tahiti or somebody take these kids and I'll be back in a week, right? You got to do it regularly and efficiently. So Mm -hmm. this this may come across almost seeming sort of selfish, but I think it's actually a little bit selfless, like we're talking about. Uh, Let's talk about what are those four quadrants that have to do with the being human, the being a, you know, being a human first before being a parent. Look, as parents, we're responsible for a child's well-being, but we're also responsible for our own. And for our own well-being, there's four things that we have to invest time in. 
and they spell an acronym self s e l f as in fueling yourself right so we have to make sure that we spend time sleeping right because if you don't sleep and you are sleep deprived and we know parenting is you know the enemy of sleep in many many ways <laughs> Uh, it really is. You get interrupted sleep. You get short night sleep. Whether you have a baby or a teenager, you're waking up for wait, waiting up for in the middle of the night, right, for them to get home. But sleep, because without sleep, you don't have the patience. Your brain isn't working properly. You're actually not efficient, right? You're just operating at a snail's pace, and you're not you're not functioning well. So sleep. That's S. Then there's E for exercise, right? So we need to exercise and take care of our own health. It has a different function than sleep. Exercise kind of makes you feel fit. It makes you feel strong. It makes you feel health. It, it contributes to health. It also contributes to the way your brain works and the feel-good endorphins that come, which can calm you down as you're dealing with kid issues and fears and alarms and tantrums and you know it's hard to be a parent you're negotiating navigating with a person who keeps changing on you so that feel good emotion really helps center you it also gives you confidence and finding uh, literally we'll talk a little bit more about like 10 minutes a day these like 7 minute workouts 10 minute workouts that exercise science has proven are as effective if not more than 90 minutes 3 times a week that's something every single parent can do even if you hate exercise you can do an eight-minute workout every day, and you've at least done that without stealing from anybody and only fueling yourself. So that's exercise. Love, that's the third one. That's the L in self. you got to cultivate adult relationships when you are raising kids. You cannot do it in isolation. You can't not also be nurtured. you got to nurture someone else. You need to be nurtured. And it really is a break, like Adult relationships, whether it's significant other or friends, they give you a humor break, right? They give you perspective, like this kid's killing me. I, you know, my teenager just like, all I asked was, would you like some salt? And they stormed away from the table. You're like, what did I say? So friends and significant others can really give you humor, perspective, a mental health break, and your own nurturance so that you can really nurture your kids. And then the fourth activity is fun. That's the F in self for fun. And Eric, I can't tell you how many clients I coach that they're, they laugh. Exactly. They're yeah. like, fun. Are you kidding me? That's when my kids are all off in college. I will get back to my fun. <laughs> but you can't take that out of your equation. Work of your day and your week must include fun because fun for you, because fun, pure relaxation any kind of hobby done efficiently and effectively makes you feel like you, the unique soul that you are. And when you feel like your unique self, you can recognize and nurture that in the children under your roof. Who are they? What's their unique self? So you're really role modeling and living. What does it mean to be a happy, healthy adult while raising young kids to be happy, healthy adults? It's Every one of those things needs a place in the fabric of your routine, not the occasional, I need a mental health break and I'm either going to do one or I'm either going to sleep or I'm going to exercise. I'm either going to have fun or I'm going to spend, you know, time with some friends. It's, you gotta, you gotta balance and weave all of those in very effectively into your 
routines. Yeah. So consistency from all of those, like they're a daily vitamin. Exactly right, Eric, a daily vitamin. And when you do it as a daily vitamin, in the book I talk about this, what keeps parents from spending time on self is two things. Guilt is one, and we've talked about that, right? So enough about guilt. The other is our approach. So when we're growing up, we're used to spending large blocks of time on each of those things. We're used to like hours and hours with our friends or our significant other where time disappears and fun and our hobbies. We spend all day on our hobbies or weeks on end and hours and hours and exercise. Hour. Well, you have to change your approach as a parent to living your life, your self-care in 20 minutes or less, chunks of 20 minutes, change the texture. You'd be amazed what 20 minutes really being present with a significant other or a friend where you're not talking about work, you're not talking about the kids, you're talking about each other or having fun or exercising in short bursts is enormously restorative when you do it as a daily vitamin, right? Not a big chunk. It's small chunks delivered regularly. It fuels us. Well, and there's even a um, that what you just said is that that small amount uh, brings to mind something else that kind of goes along with the vitamin. And it also kind of goes along with, say, prescription medicine is this idea of the uh, minimum viable dosage or whatever it's called. It's, it's similar. Yeah. To that. It's like, Hey, wait Love a second. That. You know, you don't need to take five ibuprofen. One or two will right. do like, right. Right. I love that. I love that uh, metaphor. I think that's exactly right. What's the minimum viable and get away from this all or nothing. If I can't rock climb, like I used to, I'm not exercising at all. If I can't, you know, have date night three times a week, I'm not spending any quality time with my significant other at all. If I can't, you know, do painting or my hobby the way I used to, then I just have to wait for the next 25 years when all my kids have gone up to college. No, minimum viable. And that's your baseline. Then when you get the extra time, it's a bonus. It's delightful. It's extra. You will savor it, but you've got this like daily dose. And that's what we all need, the daily dose of self-care. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Self-care, again, it's not just for us. Though in and of itself, we should all be doing, you know, right. all of the things in the S-E-L-F acronym, even if we're not a parent. Yep. But so let's add in this other dynamic. So what's the raising human uh, quadrant side of things look like? Okay. So to raise happy, healthy children, we need to divide our time for them but, uh, between four things. So we have to, and, and that also acronym, I love acronyms. I was always good at Scrabble. I can just see the patterns. So anyway, so it's part, P-A-R-T, as in doing your part for another person. So the first thing we have to do is we have to P, provide for our kids, right? We have to, that usually involves working and making money and managing money so we can pay for things that they need to live their lives, right? Provide. The second thing we have to do, the A, is arrange the logistics of their lives. That's like, where are they going to school? How are they getting there? Did we fill out the forms? What are they having for lunch? What are we having for dinner? What are we doing on the weekend? Who's doing the dishes, et cetera, et cetera. All those logistics that are involved in running uh, a kid's life and a household, right, in which everybody can operate. The third, the R in part, is we have to spend time relating to our kids. And that's where we get to know, that's that what people often refer to as the quality time, where you are entering your child's world and spending time on activities and topics and discussions of interest to them, getting to know who they are as the unique individuals they are, recognizing them, seeing them. And the fourth activity is, is T, it's in part, it's teach. We also have to teach our kids values and life skills so that they can succeed out in the world. P-A-R-T, provide, arrange, relate, teach. They're four very different activities. They feel different to deliver and they feel different to your kids to receive, right? Um, the difference between relate and teach, for example, is parents don't always realize it. Like, and we think every minute we should be teaching and guiding our kids. And that's what love looks like. And it does, and it can be. But when you're teaching your kids, you're pulling them into the adult world, in essence, and they are the student of you. When you are relating, you are entering your child's world and you are the student of that child huge difference to your kid. Huge. And you need to do both. Don't get stuck in just teach because your kids will not feel seen and understood. And by the way, they also won't listen to you as well. <laughs> so, so then the cool thing in, in my mind, I'm seeing like these four, actually I'm seeing eight like different puzzle pieces, yeah. four that fit together on one side and then four that fit together on the other. But the cool thing is I think they're somewhat 
interchangeable. So I have a really quick story and I think this will, you'll see where I'm going with this yesterday. Um, my, so I'm working from home. Mm-hmm. My my seven year old son gets home from first grade, and uh, my wife needs to go do grocery shopping really quick, and then pick up my daughter. So he is occupying himself; he's doing well with that. And then he keeps coming back into my office and asking me things. And then he says, "Hey, can you come help me build a fort in my room?" And I'm like, "I look, I say, you know what? Let me take a break." And so I flip, you know, again, I try to flip out of it as much as I can work mode, go into his room and, and I'm helping him and I'm asking him questions and I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it all for him, but I'm also having him uh, be kind of the guide or the leader or whatever. And so it was, you know, there were some teachable moments there where it was like, Hey, you know, think about what you want to do here and how you want to set it up. And, Hey, I have a suggestion. What if you did this? And he's like, Oh yeah, that's good. And so it kind of kept bouncing in between, you know, teaching moment, relating and yeah. making time and, and all of that. And so, and actually it was, and it was extremely fun for me, which again, some people would say, oh man, I'm on a deadline. Like I got to go do that. You know, and if you're really on a deadline, like this would be hard to do, but like yeah. me taking 15, 20 minutes and stepping out of my worker role and getting down on his level and, you know, working with him and climbing into the fort, even, you know, it it was it was a potent moment, and so I said I got to remember this for tomorrow when I talk with you. So yeah, well, a first amazing story, so vivid, so applicable. It's a wonderful example on so many levels. I think you're spot on about that. Like you entered his world, and then you sort of gently kind of bounce back and forth between relating and teaching, right? Because you can't completely separate them, right? Right, but. It worked and he listened because you entered his world first. You didn't come in and say, oh, you want me to teach you how to do a fort? Let me show you, kid. Right. Like you guided him, right? And that it's, there's a, there's the, the, the finesse there really matters. The other thing that you talked about, which I, I just, I, I, I couldn't, I was like, you couldn't have said it more perfectly. You said it was like 15 or 20 minutes is really what you took a break and mm-hmm. did. It wasn't two hours. It wasn't three hours. And that 15 to 20 minutes is a remarkable piece of information. When I did the research, and I researched this book, aside from my own client work and all these decades of experience and my own experience as a parent, I thought, I can't tell parents how to divide their time unless I can know what the, what the, what the human development scientists and experts say. How much time do children need to feel loved and secure? Isn't that the question that we all want to know, right? And if we understand how much time, then we know how to balance it all. So I I dug deep into the research, literally 70 years of human development research and science, the leading experts in the country and the world. And and it was very hard to find a straight answer, by the way. People are all, well, it depends, depends on the kid, depends on the situation. Like that doesn't help parents. Give me the edges. (laughs) And I finally got the answer. And you actually hit on it. Here's what humans need. Kids need, thrive on, feel loved and secure when they receive short bursts of undivided, truly undivided attention delivered consistently. And when, when I say short bursts, it's five to 15 or 20 minutes tops. That is what they need delivered regularly not big blocks of time delivered erratically or occasionally, 
but the, the short bursts, because kids have short attention spans. And most experts say calculate about a minute for each age of life, right? But 15, 20 minutes. So you stopped and you were able to take that break and give your kid that. And he was, I am sure, it was like a tall glass of water. That's all he needed. And then he was ready to go do his own thing again. And then you could be together but apart in the house. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, you, you it. Yep. This mm-hmm. is this is surprising because we're we're almost again talking about this minimum effective dose. Yes. You know, he didn't need an hour. He needed like fifteen minutes. But you were not half on your phone, or your mind sort of like I'll be here, but I'm keeping my to do list for my work in my head so that I don't <laughs> forget what I have to do. And that's why, like having a really good to do system. So that you don't have to keep it in your head. You can write it down, put the whole thing on pause, go into your child's world, then come back. Those are the techniques. But that minimum viable, yes, 15 to 20 minutes can transform your child's life and can transform your own sense of self delivered consistently and just change the texture. You master that as a parent. You can do this for the full run. You really can do it. It's 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 the long it's the long game, but you can solve it in a day. Take twenty minutes. Parent who's listening who's like, oh my god, I am like my kids are eight and nine. I never did that. I've let myself go to seed. I haven't exercised. I take no no time for myself except after everybody's asleep, and then I'm sleep deprived because the, my only self time is at night when everyone's asleep. Then I only get five hours sleep, and I'm running on empty. Find twenty minutes in your day to do something for yourself. Take a 20 minute walk every day, 20 minute, 10 minute meditation, find something for yourself, build it in every day, and then connect with your kids for those five to 15, 20 minutes. When they first wake up, when you send them off to school at dinner and bedtime, five to 15 minutes, transform everybody's connection and sense of being loved, you and your kid. Yeah. And, and those are small things. I mean, it may seem big. Somebody listening is like, I still don't know that I can fit that in. And I'm just like, you know what? If you're like me, you and your spouse, or even if you're a single parent, like in the evening, I know the last thing you want to do is like, say, hey, kids, get off the TV. We're going to play a board game for like half an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's the last thing maybe they want to hear also, the ki- the kids. But at the same time, they secretly do. They want to spend time with you. They do want to spend time with you. And, you know, Eric, the key is to to build those, rebuild in those points of connection at each reconnection point in your kid's day. So when they first wake up, take the first five or seven minutes to not go, hurry up, get dressed, we're late, where's your red shoe, what happened to the permission slip, what's for breakfast? Take the first five or six minutes, seven minutes, and just be connected. Hey. How did you sleep? What'd you dream about? How are you feeling about? What are you going to do today? Do you remember what's on your plate? How are you feeling about it? A few minutes there, a few minutes when they get home from school or you get home from work and at dinner, right? And if you do that in the first point of reconnection, then everybody has breathing space to do the together, but a part-time because you feel like your cup got full. And then you can like, you could be on your, you know, I don't know, do reading a book while they're doing their homework or you're piddling around in the kitchen while they're playing on the floor, as long as you're interruptible. And I, I think everybody can do that. And it, and, and, and you just do it, just start it. Like 
transition, reconnect, fully present, and then let it float. And then if you want to play a board game instead of TV, they're going to be game. They're going to be much more game. Man, and and just the compounding, you know, it's small stuff, but again, it's one little rock at a time over and over and over again, and it builds something great. Yes, that's right. And if your kids are, listen, I'll tell you the biggest enemy to all of this at this point really is technology Mm, um, and smartphones and iPads and all these things that we are constantly, it's all addictive. It's, you know, physiologically addictive. It's uh, economically, that's the model, right? All they're trying to sell eyeballs and we want to sell listeners ears. So don't give up all your technology. I'm a big technology can be great, <laughs> but you need to be able to be in control of it. And you know, you need to be a media mentor to your kids, no matter what their age, whether you missed the boat on this and now everybody's on their screens and they don't want to give you the time of day when you want to spend time with them or they're still young and they're now, but just be very conscious, take your phones, park them somewhere. Everybody separate from them when you're going to be present for each other or anything you're going to do. Right. And, um, when you put that device away, separate it from your body, you can be more connected to the people in front of you or the task in front of you. And when you have a device in your hand, the minute you go onto that, you're connecting to people and projects that are not in the room. So it's powerful when it gives us access to people. We can stay close to people who are geographically far away. But the minute we do that, if there's other people in our space, we've just disconnected to the people who are geographically close. So be a media mentor. Be conscious about when you use technology, what for, and what you don't use technology for. Give a full menu to your kids and show them that we have choices and you want to be in control and use it to its advantage, but don't let it control you. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I've been thinking out about a lot lately with my whole family. And, you know, I've got my area in that, that I've got to kind of hone in a little bit more. We've talked about that on this show a number of times. And yeah. we, for us, it, it, I, mainly the reason I'm thinking about it lately is we've just shifted from summer to school year. So things kind of got way out of control over the summer. And I was like, oh, we've got to rein things in, but it's a, it's a process. It's an ongoing process. It is. So. It is. And you don't have to like fix it all at once either, right? Like right. pick a time of day. Dinner's a really good starting point. If just one time a day where everybody just literally disconnects from all the technology and we are here present and then you learn how to have a conversation again, right? Just practice it and come up with like, what can we talk about? Like, what was the most interesting thing that happened to you today? What was the, mo- what did you learn today? Like everybody learns something every day, right? So you can share and everybody in the family can share, like learn the art of conversation. And there's lots of like, you can Google that. There's something called the family. I think it's called the family dinner, a book that has like all kinds of conversation starters. In my book, I have some, like I pulled and culled from various sources some good starter ideas to start conversations with kids at every age and stage. So start with dinner and then, you know, practice that. And if just one time a day, everybody learns how to be away from their screens for 30 minutes and be present, then there'll be other times a day when you'll be like, oh, that was pretty good. I could do it over here too. And I could do it over there too. 
Yes. But like you said, let's not get rid of everything because we want to no. listen to podcasts. And oh, in yeah. fact, you've got a new one out and I am subscribed. I think everybody else needs to go subscribe as well. And it's essentially you talking about the content and having guests uh, and having conversations about what's in the book. Yes. And bringing the stories to life. So in the book, the book is a, is this combination of it's it's the framework, but it's also a combination of stories, like anecdotes of real clients that I've worked with, and help them contain provide their time for work or contain the amount of time arranging takes, which tend to monopolize all adults' time, expensive everything else, and how to make time and create time for relating and teaching and self care. So it's stories. There's science. And there's tips. And the podcast brings all of that to life. I have in every episode a client that I've worked with who talks about what they've tried, what worked, what didn't, how they had to make adjustments to, to make it real, right? It's like this is real people, real life, real challenges, real solutions. I pr- try to bring a scientist of some sort on, psychologist, sociologist, a pediatrician, somebody who can give us the science, and then some tips and um it's really fun. I'm in love with podcasting. I, I, I'm in love with listening. I love listening to yours and delivering it. And where they can find it is on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever people download. Yeah. So what they want to look for is, you know, if they are literally listening to listening to this on their phone right now, if they type in time to parent, they'll find yes. it. And I'll put it in the show notes for this episode. So it's also easy to find. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll make sure to link up the book there as well. So then people can, you know, get the one-two punch. <laughs> yeah, I get the one-two punch and they can read the book and hear the podcast. And the book was really written to be with you for the whole journey from like cradle to college for every kid and every stage. So it's it's like a reference manual to keep you on track and help you guide you with better time choices and more confident time choices and really make it accessible. So uh, yeah, and then come to my website, juliemorgenstern.com and read about the podcast and the book page there too. Awesome. Julie, this has been a great conversation. And again, I'm right there in the thick of this. So this is extremely helpful. I know it's going to be helpful for a lot of everybody else that's that's listening to this. So thank you so much for doing this. And thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. And thank you for the time <laughs> that you gave me and your listeners. And uh, uh, I really appreciate all your stories too. It was great conversation, Eric. Thank you. So I want to get into the practice of giving you my biggest takeaway from each of these episodes as I close out the episode. So my biggest takeaway personally is this five to 15 minutes of undivided attention time, this connection time with your kids. And I think that even goes for spouses and other relationships too. And to be strategic with it when it's the reconnecting times, that first time you see them in the morning, that first time when they just get back home from school or work, that time even in the evening, those, you know, two to three key reconnection times and having that five to 15 minutes. I think that's a huge thing. And I think then the other takeaway that kind of fits with that is the reconnecting and maybe even taking five to 15 minutes of time to reconnect with myself first thing in the morning, as well as with myself as I transition from the workday into the evening, the quote unquote workday, and then even in the evening as I go to bed. And I think those kinds of, if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know that those kinds of 
transitional moments throughout the day, the morning, the midday to late afternoon, and even in the evening, kind of coincide with some of the rhythms and routines we've talked about in the past on this show. So I'm definitely going to encourage you to take a listen to some of those other episodes and maybe tie those in. But again, this doesn't have to just be with kids, and you don't have to just take permission to take care of yourself and take personal time if you have kids. You can do that without kids, but we all know somebody who has kids, so I'd ask that if you enjoyed this episode, if you got something out of it, pass this on to somebody that you know is struggling with productivity and family life and let them know about this episode. And then also then that will let them know about Julie's book as well as her new podcast, which dives deeper into this conversation. You can find links to all of that in the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 245. And I've got a ton of great episodes coming up. I'm so excited to share those with you. So if you haven't subscribed yet, hit subscribe and I will see you next episode.